Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I'm Jordan Dollar Coltman. I'm joined this week by Elliot Tanti and one of our longtime correspondents and good friends and my wife, uh, Larice Campbell. Welcome back to the show, Larice. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, happy Halloween, Elliot. Yes, happy, 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 happy Halloween. I don't know where I was going with that there. Braden, Braden is uh, not with us this week because he and his dog Ellie are out trick-or-treating as we discussed last week. Uh, Elliot, how did the Andre the Giant costume go over? Oh, it was a big hit. Thank you very much, Jordan. That was an awesome suggestion you made about two or three months ago when I, my hair started to get really long. Um, it's, I would say it's resonated very well in the community <laughs> landed well i like it i believe you posted it on instagram so people can go check it out there it was very uh successful mm -hmm. i didn't um, i didn't post the revealing the revealing photo no 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 we don't want the revealing photo for sure. That's, that, don't worry the post the photo i posted is safe for work okay good all right um all right well let's get to it here's uh topic one Okay, so just before we start this, I just want to give a quick um, warning. Some of the things we're going to discuss in this conversation may be triggering to some people. We will discuss sexual violence, um, sexual assault, and uh, we wanted to offer an opportunity for you to first, if you feel like this is something you're not comfortable with, uh, definitely you know uh, step away from this conversation. Um, but we also wanted to offer some support if you are or you know someone who is a victim of sexual violence, there are resources available and you should seek them out. There's a national number um, for victims of sexual violence. That number is 1-866-887-0015. If you're in Alberta uh, or in, in the Edmonton region, you can reach out to the Sexual Assault Center of Edmonton. Their phone number is 780 423-4102. If you're in British Columbia, you can reach out to 1-800-563-0808 or the Ch Children's Sexual Helpline, which is 310-1234. And of course, at all times, most importantly, if you are the victim of sexual assault in any situation, just call 911, get help, report it, seek help. We are, we, we are desperately in need of more and more awareness about these uh, situations. And the sooner you're able to, to step forward and share your story, the more likely you are to get help and more um, help you'll, you'll be able to find. Um, so with that, we'll start our conversation. So obviously uh, the biggest news coming out of the NHL this week has been uh, the revelation and the continuing um, development in the sexual assault, a cover-up and scandal surrounding the Blackhawks. We had a good long conversation about this a few months back after some of the great reporting by TSN's Rick Westhead, who has really been the um, at the forefront of reporting and, and, and uncovering the story. There was an unidentified player who had stepped forward with a lawsuit against the Chicago Blackhawks organization, citing a incident in 2010 during the Stanley Cup playoffs where he reported to a member of the staff that he had been sexually assaulted by a member of the coaching staff. That was Brad Aldridge, who at the time was their video coach. Uh, he reported this. And then there was subsequent reporting that the organization had held secret meetings discussing this and basically agreed to cover up the incident and not report it. Uh, these conversations seemed to be uh, right at the top of the organization, general management, and perhaps even up to ownership. Um, this week on Wednesday, Kyle Beach stepped forward as John Doe, uh, revealing himself to be the player uh, at the heart of this lawsuit. Incredibly brave, incredibly um, courageous by Kyle Beach to step forward. He spoke with Rick Westhead on TSN in a very... Um, 
uh, frankly, hard to, to to watch and hard to listen to interview. Um, someone who's obviously been suffering through trauma from this incident for over a decade now uh, and has been the subject of so much um, innuendo and, and, and rumor because, again, as a, a you know, until he stepped forward himself, it was unclear who it was, but he himself has obviously had to be dealing not only with the original trauma, but now this, this, as the, as the um, new reporting has, has brought it all back up to the surface, obviously it, it, it reignites that trauma for him. So first and foremost, unbelievable um, courage on his behalf. This was right at the same time that the investigation that had been conducted um, into the situation with Chicago was coming to light. Stan Bowman, the general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks now, and at that time resigned uh, this week following um, the revelations in that investigation. Several other members of the organization, including Al uh, McIsaac, stepped down. Uh, a few days after, Gary Bettman arranged meetings with both Kevin Dayoff of the Winnipeg Jets, who was at the time the assistant general manager in Chicago, as well as Joel Quinville, who was the head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks in 2010. Following his conversation with Joel Quenville, Joel Quenville resigned as the head coach of the now Florida Panthers. And following his conversation with Gary Bettman, uh, it was determined that Kevin Cheveldayoff's involvement did not merit um, resignation. We can discuss that in a second. Uh, and following all of this, the, the the last sort of step the NHL has taken thus far is that Gary Bettman has um, spoken directly to Kyle Beach, offered full financial support for anything um, uh, trauma-wise, counseling-wise, support-wise he needs moving forward. Um, but obviously, he still has an active lawsuit against the Chicago Blackhawks, who are still very much in damage control at this point. Many of the players that were on that organization, none of whom have been disciplined in any way, have come forward with different levels of um, response, I guess we'll put it that way. That's a long uh, uh, sort of as much detail as I as I am prepared to sort of lay out for you for those who are not in the loop on this. But let's get into it here, Elliot. I'm sure you had many responses and reactions when you first heard this news. Um, you've had a few days to digest it. Where are you with all of this right now? Uh, well, first, let me speak on your guys' behalf uh, as well, because I, I know you feel the same way about this. I just want to commend the bravery of Kyle Beach coming forward. That's an immensely difficult thing to do, what he did this week. Um, to move forward with the lawsuit, but also to come out publicly and talk about his experience. Um, and, uh, you know, I just want to acknowledge the bravery in that to start. And I think I speak for all of us on the show, um, Brayden included, when, when we, you know, commend him for that as a podcast. Um, digesting, it's an interesting word. I don't know that I fully digested this. I want to start by saying, you know, I'm glad that we're taking this seriously as a show and we're, we're, we're putting all the resources and time into it to talk about it today. But I think that this is an ongoing conversation. I think that we're not done here yet. There's still a lot of questions uh, that are left un, uh, unanswered. Um, and one of the things that I think I'm committed to as, a, as an NHL fan and and as someone who has a medium to speak is to continue to push this forward. Just because Joe Quenville is no longer working um, and a number of individuals, as you mentioned, aren't working, doesn't mean that this is over. And frankly, I think that uh, we need to continue to drive this conversation. I, have, I am deeply disappointed in Cheval uh, Dayov and where that, that has ended. I felt his statement in July was lawyer speak and he positioned himself to get out of this, but uh, I mean, he knew. And just because you're not in a powerful position in an organization doesn't mean you don't you didn't know where the end consequences were. Uh, and this is not about workplace or it's about just doing the right thing. Um, so I have major issues with that. I think I was incredibly disappointed with the Edmonton Oilers and Duncan Keith. I thought his response was 
uh, unacceptable. I found all of the responses from the players in this team, uh, Kane, Taves, all of them incredibly disappointing. Uh, everyone looking out for themselves, but there was clearly workplace behaviors and inappropriate stuff that was done afterwards uh, that is unacceptable. Uh, and so that's a conversation that needs to be had. I also think that there's, there's a giant void for me in terms of the players union. The players union said virtually nothing. And I don't understand why that is. And it just feels to me like there's a lot more shoes to drop and a lot more people looking to distance themselves or take care of their own interests rather than doing what's right. So you might be able to tell from my tone, I'm a little pissed off. Larice. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty angry. <laughs> um, I think um, Elliot was very, very articulate and eloquent in, in his anger and I may be less. So um, I think Taves' response was bullshit. I think Kane's was as well not shocking. Um, I am furious that the Blackhawks put out a legal speak apology, but continue to, uh, um, you know, fight a lawsuit um, that they know they're in the wrong for. Um, I think Duncan Keith's response was safe and embarrassing. I think Tippett's response was safe and embarrassing and old boys club. Um, I think there are very few people who have come out and eloquently or emotionally or with heart spoke to this. Um, Tyson Berry is one person I feel has, uh, has tried to speak in a, in a, in a way that is empathetic compassionate. and compassionate. Um, I was impressed with Taylor Hall's response. I'm not always, I'm not Taylor Hall's biggest fan. Everyone is aware of that, but I was impressed with Taylor Hall's response for calling out um, an old boys club mentality. It's systemic. It's prevalent in the NHL as a woman. Um, the experience I have had online um, when things come up, um, you know, the Britannon situation and responding to that and um, things when I have sort of expressed my discomfort as a woman or as a person who might not be a typical NHL fan for most people, um, the responses I get back are negative, disgusting, horrific sometimes. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really freaking angry right now. Um, and I haven't digested it. It's just sitting right now in the anger. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think both of you articulated a lot of the same things I'm feeling right now. I think what's frustrating is that um, it took this long. Uh, that's the thing that I think bothers me the most is that it, it, all of the apologies, all of the placating on all of the sort of like, like as much of its legal jargon, as much as it's PR, all of it is too, it's just too little too late. I mean, this should have been dealt with a decade ago. This should have been dealt with the day after. The fact that Brad Aldridge went on a Stanley Cup parade with the Stanley Cup is a, is is an absolute farce. The fact that he then went and assaulted another child because the Blackhawks didn't prevent that from happening to protect their own organization at what cost? At what cost, right? That there's absolutely and 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 you know, we joked a little bit with each other on the last episode about the Astros and the five million dollar fine. The NHL fined the Chicago Blackhawks two million dollars. Two million dollars. Yes, right? Less than they make at one home game. I mean, that is an insult. And maybe it's because they're not yet done. Maybe there's still more investigation to be done. But for me, it just shows again this lack of seriousness in this situation. You know, we're 
where where's the accountability where's the actual uh we we have all of this lovely pr around this sports for everybody and we we, we have you know rainbow tape and we have all of these inclusivity initiatives and yet there's no actual follow through when this kind of behavior is allowed to happen not just the sexual violence part of it but clearly the misogyny and homophobia that was rampant in that room that came out in this investigation the toxic masculinity that was in that was a part of this just the 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 absolutely disgustingly toxic culture surrounding that organization and frankly that is probably prevalent in many of those locker rooms and is not being dealt with because the nhl doesn't have the teeth or chooses not to use the teeth to actually hold them accountable when you have an obvious and and like clearly evident evidence-based uh investigation that has laid out the the facts behind this there are many people associated with this organization who are just going to walk um, completely free of any form of consequence. I don't know what the consequences for the players in the conversation around whether or not they knew or not. They knew at some point and still said nothing. That's still that's still something that has to be considered. You know, if you know that someone has been sexually assaulted a year after they happen and you do nothing to support that person or report it, are you not still just as responsible as people who knew two days after? I mean, that's just that's just the reality of it. If you know this is happening and not, especially when you then find out later that Brad Aldridge has committed another crime that you are aware of literally charged and convicted of and you know that this person had a pattern of behavior before that affected another human being and you do nothing about it that says something much deeper to the core of the problem that we're not dealing with and i think the nhl you know you can pat the nhl on the back for some of the things they're trying to do here but that's all it is it's just placating you're just patting them on the back there's no actual that they shouldn't be commended for anything they've done so far, because frankly, as far as I'm concerned, none of it's been far enough, you know, and there's many people too. Where's Mark Bergevin's phone call. Where's the other people we know were in those conversations. Sure. Good. I'm glad that there was swift and decisive action on Stan Bowman and on, uh, and on, um, uh, Quenville once the report was out. That's good. But there wasn't. Joe Quenville I mean, was, was on the bench for a game. That's there true. wasn't. That's true. He played a game. He played yeah, yeah. A, he, he was true. on the bench. Sure. And then and then decided not well he put he wasn't going to be a, involved for a presser after not being able to to speak. I'm sorry. If you're doing your job, that's part of your job. So if you're on the bench then you show up after. Yeah. No, you're that right. was a you're scared right. little move of someone with no backbone. Yeah. And then it's embarrassing. Yeah. And I get Look, at, I, I can I can I'll let Elliot, I'll let you get back in in a second. I just I'll say one more thing. I, I understand from the legality part of it, why the Chicago Blackhawks are still being careful. They are in a lawsuit. Yeah. The point is, at this point, why are you in a lawsuit anymore? This is so evident, evidently your your responsibility. If you actually gave a shit about this, you drop the law like you, you, you would you just, just you would just settle. You, just you would settle. just accept well, I mean, the responsibility. They may be in that place too. I, I, I think the public pressure is going to push them to that place. I mean, to be seen to be fighting a lawsuit with this guy after the credibility with and and uh, with which he came forward on Wednesday, I just don't see it. I, I think the NHL is going to tell them they have to deal with it. Maybe. Time. I don't know, Elliot. We've seen a lot of this. Currently, Justin Trudeau is well, still fighting a lawsuit with the survivors of residential schools. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> And uh, and you're not and you're not wrong about that. And well, you know, obviously, it ends up always becoming a money issue, which to me is incredibly frustrating. The only thing I would say the NHL has done right in this situation is that they've elevated it to the level that it needs to elevate. Gary Bettman has seemed to be taking this on, and this is his thing and his fish, and he's going to own it. And 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 in some ways, that's good because. Um, it's really his reputation on the line and, 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 you know, the, the, the buck stops with him and he's made that incredibly clear. And sometimes in the NHL, that doesn't always happen. 
you, you guys, I, you know, I, I think you had said everything that I, that I wanted to say, and, and I wanted to just reiterate Jordan's point around because of their inaction, another in person, probably multiple other people, but a child got hurt because of their inaction and why that's not being said more. Some it's being said in some spaces, but it needs to be repeated because that's the gravity of the scale of which this failure was. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, the NHL, as you said, yes, it's good. Gary Bettman stepping forward. I said that the other day, I at least give him credit for being the face of it. You know, no one else should be there's that that would be wrong. Unfortunately, again, it's 10 years too late. Um, the question is, did the NHL know anything? We don't know that. I, I mean, it's hard because if, if what you're accusing the Chicago Black Sox, Blackhawks of is a cover-up, then it's plausible the NHL actually didn't know because the Blackhawks succeeded in their cover-up. And, and then, you know, as but then the NHL should be doubly upset with the Chicago Blackhawks yes. for the fact that, you know what I mean, that this is one of their organizations who's not only brought shame to their own organization, but to the league in general. And, and that, you know two million dollars really like where's the you know and okay you're going to take brad aldridge's name off the stanley cup how about the other people involved in this i mean where's the where's the real consequences can you imagine if this was in the ncaa right reggie bush accepted ten thousand dollars from a scout once and and had every single title from usc while he was there stripped from the school right i mean some were gonna and look i am no fan of the ncaa right that is overkill but the NHL should at least be considering where are the real consequences here? Where do you, how can you make this hurt a little more than $2 million? Yeah, it's soft. All right, let's leave it there for now. We're going to have another conversation in a moment in topic two about sort of the bigger conversations around this. Um, but that's, that's our first part of that. We'll, we'll leave it there for a second. Okay, so we're going to continue with this conversation um, surrounding the Blackhawks. But we're going to just pivot it a little bit to a conversation about the bigger NHL culture and, and, and sports in general. Obviously, you know, I think it's been pretty evident that we've had a lot of different levels of um, controversy surrounding um, the NFL and, and, and players conduct in that situation. But, is you know, one of the things I think that this investigation has really uncovered is this just this toxic environment that a lot of these organizations are living in. Like we talked about in the first segment, this old boys club, if you want to call it that, if you want to call it sort of a, I, I don't know what else, what else it is. I guess there's an old boys club, this, this, this um, insulated and protected organizations that have, that are focused on the almighty dollar and also on winning at all costs. Right. And would this have been treated differently if they weren't in the Stanley cup finals, would this have been treated differently if it was a regular season? I don't know. But that's the conversation that's there. And, and, and as, um, you know, I think is becoming more and more evident as we move through this process uh, and, and maybe partly tied to what Elliot was saying a, a moment ago, too, about how Gary Bettman's right at the front of this. It feels like we're at the beginning of a much bigger reckoning, I think, for the NHL in terms of dealing with some of their issues. Um, Elliot, do you want to start us off here in terms of where, where do you think this leads us? Is this the beginning or are we already in the middle of this situation? Uh, that's a good question. That's a great question. I mean, in some ways, I think it's the beginning um, in the ways that I think that there's going to be more people to come forward. I mean, there's another person alleged to have been assaulted by Aldrich. There's another, there's, you know, we listed off a number of ongoing investigations uh, in which, you know, we got confused because there were so many, uh, which to me sort of signals that there's probably a lot, there, there's more to come. So I think in that way, it's the beginning, like it's the beginning of having those, centering those conversations in the space. I guess for me, my worry is, um, and you know why I mentioned the first segment is it's how long until this just sort of falls off the radar and we're back talking about you know the stand, you know the playoff push or the poor Maple Leaf start or 
um, Connor McDavid getting 200 points. You know, that for me is always the question and the issue with sports. Sports struggles to have reckonings. And, and so when you said that, I said, uh, I don't know, because it's an ongoing sort of story and it's a moving thing and it's a piece of entertainment. And I, and I, you know, unless there's a committed group to ensuring that this conversation keeps on going, um, beyond hat trick podcast, I, you know, like we're, we're, we're not going to be able to, like, I'm worried that this is just going to fall away and we're going to fall into bad habits because that's always what happens in hockey. And that's, and particularly in all sports, but particularly in hockey, it's such a conservative culture. There is this old boysy kind of thing, you know, where you know, once you're in, you're in and it's a club. And I just, that's a difficult culture to permeate at the best of situations, let alone when there's like real serious consequences uh, and, and, and legal stuff flying around as well, too. So and that's not very help, hopeful for the future, but that's how I'm feeling. That's how I'm laughing. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I think a, a little bit, I have a little bit of hope in the sense that there has been some evidence in the last couple years of a few instances where we have had these situations dealt with correctly. I think of the Jake Vertan situation here in Vancouver, where immediately when this, when the, when the um, victim came forward, immediately he was suspended from the organization and is no longer a part of the organization. Now um, management took immediate action, whereas we might have seen, and we have seen in the past, you know, okay, you know, we'll, we're looking into it, we're investigating, but the player continues playing. But what they have if he was playing well maybe he and, was playing like crap and, and that's fair too if it was if it was a superstar player maybe it would have been a different situation that's fair that's a very good point and maybe i'm a bit better or maybe i don't know i'm i'm probably even less hopeful than elliot and i think i i don't want that to be the case but I, yeah i've seen sort of like little blips on the radar of some hope that things are changing and um thankful that there are you know um groups now being formed for people who are a bit more liberal or a bit more open-minded and want to make changes within the sport because they truly love hockey but don't love the culture surrounding hockey but i it is a uphill battle because as elliot said and was very clear once you're in it's like once you've got the key the golden key uh, they don't ever take that golden key away from you no matter what you do and you're allowed to be behind those closed doors um and when those closed doors are filled with white old men Mm. uh that's the culture that's going to continue and it's the it's systemic it's toxic um it's misogynistic and we need more diverse voices in management and um we need more diversity on teams and um yeah we need to sort of try and find ways to break through that and i'm probably less hopeful that that's that this is going to be the grand awakening of the nhl um i guess we'll have to see yeah, I think it's unfortunately it's a trickle, right? It, it very rarely do, does change come in 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 floods. It it comes at a trickle, and that's that's in everything. Um, but sometimes the, those can be pushed along by you know uh, incidents like this. I would also say I do think that there are many instances. You brought up some of them in the first segment. There are many instances though where this has brought the voice of other people that we weren't expecting necessarily to stand up for. You spoke about Taylor Hall. Um, the other one that we didn't mention, and, and, and Elliot, I think you, you kind of painted the entire team as sort of all having a bad response. I think there's one exception to that, and it's Brent Sopel, who even from before um, Kyle Beach came forward himself, Brent Sopel had already come to his 
as a John Doe's defense. And it was making it very clear. I know who this person is. I'm not going to out this person, but this person was treated wrongly for this, this, and this reason. He was very vocal on Twitter saying this whole organization knew every player knew called out his fellow teammates for being, how did nobody deal with this? Um, now you have to ask the question you didn't either, but at the same time, what, why there may be other factors we don't know about, but since then, I think he has been very, open about his own regrets about the situation, very open about his mistakes and it's, it's stated he's trying to be better. I think those are the opportunities that are here. You know, there's the old saying, the woke have to leave space for those still waking. And we have to accept that there is, if there, if we are hoping for change, then we have to offer opportunities for people to change, right? And there will be people in these situations who may have looked at situations differently and maybe either been ignorant to or completely you know, blind to this situation. Now this may wake them up to realize, oh yeah, maybe I shouldn't, you know, say certain things in the locker room. I shouldn't speak certain ways to other people. Maybe I'll treat, you know, maybe I will speak up when somebody's being hazed or some other part of the culture that should be moving out of the sport or in, in culture in general, you know, for all kinds of reasons, you know, and I think that that is a good thing. There is signs of hope in that for me, but again, it's very small right now. And I think that the concern for me there is that if the system allows for it, then it's very easy for individuals to say, well, I'm not going to get in trouble, so I'm not going to speak up or I'm not going to change my ways because the system itself protects me. And that is, I think, a bigger portion of all of this is that, yes, we can look at individuals and yeah, there I'm in, I'm mad at individuals, um, but, but the system itself has been created to protect, um, protect you know when things go wrong like this or when horrible incidents like this occur and so where is the big system changes happening so that people are held accountable in the future um so that they can't easily just sort of uh, brush it under the rug well and brent sopel is a great example when you write about that Jordan, but he's also outside of the club he's retired he's done now he doesn't that's true. you know he's already made his money he's not he's not dependent on the league for resources or future right so yeah, it's great. It, you know, all, all part two, and you're totally right about that. And I, that's not to downplay uh, his leadership on this issue, but let's also like that's not the group of people that we're talking about either. Yeah, I mean, here's the example for me. We've got this massive story in sports, and what what scrolls through my feed on Facebook? A Toronto Sun article about Don Cherry complaining about um, Aston Matthews dress coming when he goes to games. You know, that's what that's what this. Um, this uh, this institution in hockey is talking about this week. Um, and he still has followers. He still has a show. He still has access. Um, he may not be with CBC and not, we may not be seeing him on Saturday nights, but you know damn well that he's still a, a, a fixture. Um, and he's talking about uh, the way Austin Matthews is dressed. Um, and that, that that's the sort of example for me that says like, we have a long way to go. Well, uh, that, that would pivot me into my other group of people that I think need to seriously be looking in the mirror today. Again, with the exception of Rick Westhead, where the hell has the media been on this story, right? Rick Westhead started reporting this in like May of last year, maybe even earlier. And there hasn't been these questions being asked. Okay. Maybe once at a press conference, you know, some member of the Chicago Blackhawks was asked, Hey, did you know anything? They took them at first answer and they let it go. But where's the pressure been on Gary Bettman? Where's the pressure been on the, the other members of this organization? Where's the conversation that, and like, like, why is it even in these press conferences we've had? Why is this the first time these guys are being asked these questions? Why isn't there the same amount of, like, if this was the NFL, let's just for a second, the, the, you can say a lot of 
things that are negative about how the NFL as an organization deals with things. But the one thing the NFL has never been able to control is how scrutinized they are by the media, right? The sports media goes hard at the NFL when they get pie on their face, when they make a mistake, when something like this happens, media is on them. Why? Because there's a huge media infrastructure, to be fair, around the NFL. It's a much bigger sport. But like, where has been the, hey, Jonathan Taves, you said in the summer you knew nothing. Were you lying? Where's that question? Where's the Joel Quenville question now? Maybe because he won't come out and speak to the media, but then where's the accountability for him on that? Where's the organization on that, right? I mean, that's the thing for me that's also frustrating is it's like, you know, Twitter will go off and, and you see the anger and the frustration on Twitter. And that's great. I want fans to be having this conversation, but I want the people who are the conduits to the players and to the people in this, in this sport for the fans to be holding these people accountable and having the hard conversations. I don't need this to be a public flogging. I don't need this to be a, a, a you know, a, 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 a um, what's the trial by, by, you know, opinion, opinion or whatever, yeah. but I want some accountability in the conversations that are being had and some truth to be what's, what's going on here, not the sugar-coated stuff. And is it about fear of losing media deals? Well, then there you have a systemic problem that needs to be dealt with. Right. Yeah, when it all ties back to the money, uh, yeah. it's easy to, um, and when you're desperate for it, or or you think you're desperate for winning it money, it's easy to to hide stuff yeah. and to ignore stuff. And the last group, the last thing I'll say on this part is also, and Elliot, you brought this up, and I commend you for bringing it up in the first part because I think it has also been dropped a few too many times in this conversation. What the hell? is the consequence and responsibility for the players association on this. I mean, Kyle beach called Eric fair out by name said he knew the players association knew if you are the union, what the hell is your purpose as a union outside of collective bargaining, if not to protect your players. Well, and if it, it, if you have some other agenda or some other thing, plus the fact that members of this organization within the players union, could have and should have alerted the other people in the industry about Brad Aldridge. They had the same information the Blackhawks did. Yeah. They could have alerted the NHL. So again, we go back to this conversation. How could you not know? The truth is you knew. Too many people knew for this to just have not been on people's radar. And that for me is the is the smoking gun, the red flag. It, it is so evidently clear that this was not a, you know, Kyle Beach didn't just sit in silence. He spoke no. to the people he believed would help him. They didn't, yeah. they failed him. They failed the next victim and whomever else Brad Aldridge hurt. Yes. And they should all be held accountable for that at some level. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. I think we will leave it there for now. I know we're going to have this more of these conversations. As Elliot said, it's very important we do that. I would reach out again to anyone out there. If you have things you want to say or you need to speak about, reach out to us, reach out to anyone around you. Have these conversations with the people in your life. If you're sitting down with somebody and they and, and you, you feel like they're, they're not getting it or they're not hearing the way you need to speak to it, have that conversation. Open the dialogue up because that's how these things change, mm -hmm. right? Bring these situations to the light because the only way for these things to be dealt with and to become, uh, for these people, for the victims of these to find a solace and peace in this is for it to find the light. And I would encourage young families or families with kids in hockey or in sports to be having these conversations early and often, early and often. Um, in order for us to break systemic chains, we need to be educating our young people and our youth so that they can maybe make more changes as they grow up too. These, these conversations seem to be having, happening as soon as you possibly can. All right, we'll leave it there. That's topic two.
All right. We're going to try to end this um, show on a slightly lighter note, uh, because again, I think it is also important for us all to, to find the positives and happiness in our lives. Because if we, um, if we, if we can, we should seek those out and do that. I also, um, I, I think that it, you know, it, it, several of the things we're going to talk about, uh, I know, cause I know what some of, uh, my friends here are going to talk about a couple of these, at least have pretty beautiful silver linings to them surrounding sports. So I think that that's also really special. Um, Larice, why don't you go first? Who are you taking your hat off this Halloween weekend to? Awesome. Well, talking about breaking toxic masculinity in our sports, I'm throwing my hat off to Calvin Ridley, who is a wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. And he is stepping away from the game, from football to focus on his mental health. And he specifically said he's focusing on his mental health. And I think we need to leave space for um, the men in our lives to be able to discuss emotions and discuss when things are not going right and know that that's okay. And it's totally all right to be stepping away from your job or something you love if you need to take time for yourself to get yourself back to a better place mentally. So um, I hope nothing but the best for him um, as he takes into this next part of his journey for, for, the, for the betterment of himself. So hats off to him for being able to say that. Thank you. That was a good one. Um, mine is somewhat connected to the conversation we've already been having. Uh, one name that didn't come up and I, I'm glad he didn't because it saves it for my hats off is, is another person who may surprise some people as far as how, um, how sort of, I don't know, uh, aggressive he was on his frustration and anger towards the NHL. And I wanted to take my hats off to John Tortorella, uh, an individual that is not usually looked at or considered a um, positive uh, motivator or a positive influence. I think he himself is probably um, capable of being criticized, I think, occasionally of being a bit harsh, um, but someone who I think is growing and, and seems to at least be aware of uh, self-aware of some of his own flaws. Um, but he also was very blunt in his assessment of this whole situation and was very sort of um, open about how he just felt like the, the, the this this whole situation should have been dealt with again a decade ago. And, and, um, and he, you know, so I give him, I, I would like to take my hat off to John Tortorella for his support of that. I mean, I'll read you a, the quote. Um, so this is from John Tortorella. I quote, if this was your 20 year old kid, would your decision have been any different? I just don't get why one guy couldn't stand up and say, no, this is wrong. End quote. For me, that's as simple as it is. The whole conversation uh, that, that sums the whole thing up. You know, it, it, this was a 20 year old that this happened to. So my hat goes off to John Tortorella for some brutal honesty that we needed in that moment. John Tortorella's ability to remake himself, reinvent his coaching style, the way he interacts with things never ceases to amaze. He's the Madonna of the NHL. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to take that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tip my hat this week. A, be out of, a beautiful story out of the UK that I just loved. And I'm just going to read a series of tweets from a fan about his experience going to the game with his son. Last night, I took my son to Arsenal for his first match. He was buzzing all day for it. I wasn't sure if he'd ever go as he has autism. Once we were in the grounds, he struggled with about 50,000 people shouting and was having a hard time. Halfway through the first half, I could see he wasn't going to get used to it, so we had to leave. When we left the stadium, a steward, blonde lady, wish I got her name, asked why we were leaving, and I told her. She asked me to hold on and contacted someone else. Next thing I know, we're being walked towards club level. 
They've got a sensory room there where we could watch the rest of the match. The bloke running the room, Luke Howard, was fantastic with everyone in there. And between him and the stewards that helped turn the night into a great memory. Thank you at Arsenal. What a lovely story. That's a great one, Elliot. Thank you. I know as uh, I'll speak for Larissa and myself, as parents of a neurologically diverse son, uh, that one really touched our hearts. And um, I think it's important to recognize that inclusivity goes beyond just, um, you know, being a part of the sport, but just being able to experience it sometimes. And I think Arsenal has done a beautiful thing there, but I know that they've also just done an amazing job with that entire building, trying to make it inclusive, both for people with um, physical disabilities and now also mental disabilities. And I think that that's really, really beautiful. And they have done that years ago when, yeah. when Before we weren't really saying. talking about inclusivity in sports or in anything really. So yeah, huge hats off to Arsenal. Go Gunners. All right. We will leave it everything there. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you, Larice. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Be safe out there. Halloween. And and uh, we will we will speak with you all again next week. That was Hatrick. Hatrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.